I really believe God's going to say something to you today about this whole topic of hope. We've entitled it, the series, Hope Has a Name, and obviously it's the name of Jesus. But today I want to talk about hope as an anchor for your soul. And our key verse, our key passage that holds this series together is Romans 5 and verse 13, which is actually a prayer. And as I read it out, I want to pray it over you. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we come into this Christmas season, there's this kind of thing around us that Christmas ought to be one of the most hopeful times of the year. But we also know that for many, many people, it's one of the most desperate times. They are remembering the pain that they're in. And because everybody else seems to be having fun, it's like, what's wrong with me? For some people this year, they've experienced real loss, whether it's the loss of a loved one, of a work situation, of relationships. And that becomes more acute in the season of hope. And it's magnified. All these emotions get magnified. There's an old movie. It's so old, it's black and white. And if you're younger here, you may never have seen it. But I want to just draw a little thought out of it. It's a movie called It's a Wonderful Life, set in a Christmas season. And it's about this man who's in a desperate state. And there are angels sent to help him. And Clarence, who's an apprentice angel, is assigned to look after George Bailey. And the superior angel says to the apprentice angel, you've got to help this guy, George Bailey. And Clarence, the apprentice angel says, what is it? Is he sick? And the answer is so insightful. He says, no, it's worse. He's discouraged. No, it's worse. He's discouraged. And discouragement in its most simplest form is a loss of hope. It's an illness of the heart. And the Bible knows that the ancient wisdom of God's word, Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says, hope deferred. In other words, repeated disappointment makes the heart sick. We can identify the loss of hope in our lives. One of the signs is just a feeling of being generally disoriented in life. You kind of lose sight of where you are, where you're going. It's almost like bobbing on a large ocean in a small boat without any real sense of direction, no land to see to mark where you are, where you should be going. And when you lose hope, you kind of sometimes think, I don't don't know what to do next. We read in the Bible about Job, who in an extraordinary period of time lost everything that was of significance and value to him. He lost much of his family, his possessions, his wealth, and even his standing in the community. And he cries with this desperate cry, this prayer, And it's recorded for us in Job 17 and verse 15. He says, where is my hope? Can anyone find it? And it's this feeling of total hopelessness. He's disoriented. I don't know where to find hope. 
The other one is that sense of drifting. And when you lose hope, you often begin to let go of core values because, well, it's a feeling, well, that didn't work and that didn't work, rather than anchoring yourself to those core things. And you can even begin to go your own way. Isaiah reflects on this when he says, all of us like sheep have strayed away and we've left God's paths to follow our own. And it's interesting that often when you talk to people who may have lost faith in God, it came at a time of great pressure and strength and rather finding hope in God for whatever reason they let go and began to stray and go their own way. The third sign is despair. And that is the ultimate sign of hopelessness. It's kind of this feeling, I just want to give up. And it's not a sign of weakness when you have that feeling. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians lists a whole lot of events and they are traumatic, they are extreme, things that happened to him. And he says this, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. He said, it felt like I just wanted to give up. And those are the words of the great apostle Paul, a man of faith. Major Harold Kushner was a POW in Vietnam. And he records an an incident about the devastating effect of hopelessness. He tells a story of a 24-year-old Marine, POW, who decided to cooperate with the Viet Cong because they promised, if you do, we'll let you go. We'll give you your freedom. And it became clear after a period of time they were not going to let him go. And when that realization dawned on him, Major Kushner said it was astonishing the transformation that took place. He says he became a zombie. He refused to do any work and he rejected all offers of food and encouragement. He ended up lying in his cot, sucking his thumb. And in a matter of weeks, he was dead, the loss of hope. So what is hope? Well, it's not just wishful thinking. You know, the kind of idea, oh, I hope the bus comes on time or I hope I get good presents for Christmas. I hope you do. (laughs) It's not wishful thinking. Neither is hope blind optimism. And it's good to be optimistic. But the truth is some people are wired differently. Some just seem to be optimistic all the time. Others struggle with that. So it's not just optimism. It's something bigger and something deeper and something greater than that. And hope is not just having ambitious dreams. It's good to have dream, a vision, to plan for something, to look for something in the future. But hope's bigger than all of that. The first thing is that I want to say that hope is a confident expectation. It's not just being hopeful. It's actually a confident expectation. And while everything around you may be in upheaval, while everything around you may be unstable and shifting and changing, biblical hope, hope that comes from the God of all hope, is an immovable force based on something solid. Some people say, oh, Christianity, it's a crutch. It's just blind faith. 
But our faith is actually based on something substantial. The writer of Hebrews, talking about this great subject of faith and hope, in Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And he's talking about the unseen God. That when you know he exists, when he's a part of your life, you know that you know that you know. You're not looking for hope in your circumstances. You're not looking for hope in other people. And circumstances can help. And other people definitely can help. But the substance of your hope is anchored in the character of God. You might say, well, I don't know how to get that kind of hope. And I want to say to you, the minute you say yes to Jesus, God imparts that kind of hope into your heart and life. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, Peter's just praising our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, and in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, it's not just optimism. It's not just hopefulness. This is a living hope that's anchored by the reality that Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive. Yeah, He laid down His life for us, but He rose from the dead. And the power of the resurrection of Christ is the anchor to your hope. It's what imparts living hope. Not false hope, not hopefulness, but a living hope into your life. You see, biblical hope is not just a desire that things might improve or that something good may come. It's the confident expectation that God's got you, that God's got you in the palm of His hands. And it's anchored in the character of God, it's not anchored in the circumstances. And all of us have looked at our circumstances on occasion and felt overwhelmed and maybe even leading towards a sense of hopelessness. But biblical hope is anchored in the character of God, secured and empowered by the resurrection, but it's about God's character, God's promises to you. The story of Abraham is an astonishing one. And in Romans chapter 4, Paul kind of summarizes if you like, the theological or the outtakes from his story. And the thing I want to say about Abraham, he didn't get it right all the time. He was far from perfect. He made a lot of bad mistakes along the way. But he kept coming back to something. And Paul summarizes it this way. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I love that phrase. Like everything around him looked hopeless. But Abraham in hope believed, just as it had been said to him. You see, he's connecting not to the circumstance. The circumstance looked hopeless. He's connecting to the character and to the promise of God, what God said. And a little bit down, verse 21, he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He was fully persuaded that God would do what he had promised. You see, hope, hope connected to God is a powerful thing. In fact, the Bible describes it 
And it's the subtitle of this message. It's an anchor for the soul. And when you're disoriented, drifting on a storm of despair, you need something solid, an anchor for your soul. And the writer of Hebrews describes hope exactly like that. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, an anchor for the soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. But to have that anchor work in your life, you need to trust. Hope requires trust. Not in yourself, not in your circumstance, not in others. We need others in our life. Don't misread what I'm saying there. And they can encourage, but your trust needs to be in the living God. You see, having hope doesn't mean you're not dealing with reality. Abram was fully aware that the circumstances said this is hopeless, but he said, I believe in hope anyway. You're not in denial. Hope is an anchor for your soul. And you compare the size of an anchor to the size of the boat, and it seems so small. And it looks like it shouldn't work, but it's what it's anchored to that makes it significant. You see, your natural man, your mind, your will, and your emotions will always wage a war against your faith, against your hope. We shouldn't be surprised by that. And for some people, they experience it more out of their emotions. Other people, their mind. Other people, their will just feels like it's crumbling. Sometimes it's a combination of all those things. And you need to speak to your natural man and not listen to it. Often when we're in a sense of drifting and hopelessness and despair, we start listening to the emotion, to the chaotic thoughts. And David learned to speak to himself in a hopeless situation. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why, my soul, are you cast down? It's almost like David saying, soul, come here. We need to have a conversation. Emotions come here. Yeah, no, step forward, will. Step forward, mind. Yeah, yeah, pay attention. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's not denying that he's struggling. And then he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I'm not saying this is easy. Oswald Chambers who wrote the brilliant devotional book and so many other things, great Christian, said one of the greatest stresses in life is the stress of waiting for God. And you kind of go, God, now, now, now. And God's timing's perfect. So hope requires trust. Secondly, hope is anchored in the unseen, not in the seen. When an anchor goes deep, you don't see what it's attached to, but it still holds the boat. And hope is found in what, not in what is seen, but in what is unseen. In other words, in God. And again, coming back to Paul in 2 Corinthians, where he talks about so much struggle, so much suffering, so much chaos. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose our courage. We don't lose our hope. So we fix our eye, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
And that's one of the beautiful things about worship, which at the end of the service sermon you can enter into. Worship helps us fix our eyes on the one who is unseen. And by faith, you see him, you encounter him, you know the reality and the power of God. Moses is in a very hopeless situation, feeling like he'd lost his de destiny, fearing the wrath of Pharaoh when he first fled from Egypt, encounters God in the burning bush. It's an incredible story, Exodus chapter three. And everything shifts because he encounters the one who is unseen. And so when he goes back to Egypt and he's now going to take the children of Israel out, he's a changed man. He's no longer running for his life. It says by faith, he now left Egypt with all the children of Israel, not fearing the king's anger. And I love this. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That encounter, the eyes of faith, the eyes of the heart encountering the living God changed everything for him. And finally, hope is found in a relationship with God. See, hope is only as good as what it's anchored to. Taking that analogy, because it's a biblical one of the anchor, if it doesn't fix to something solid, the boat will drift. The only way hope has any real power is when it's anchored to God, who has absolute power. And the very moment you feel powerless, you encounter the one who is omnipotent, all-powerful. And again, the psalmist speaks to his heart. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. It doesn't come from my circumstances comes from him. I don't know if you are familiar with the incredible story of Corrie ten Boone, but her story, and I actually saw her speak once, was so, so powerful. Her and her family rescued many people in Holland during the Second World War, uh, helped uh, soldiers uh, who'd been uh, captured and escaped and uh, Jewish people to escape and eventually ended up in a POW campus. It's an incredible story. You ought to read it. And she said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And so we come back to Paul's prayer. May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in Him. And then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, you encounter this hope, this hope that is from the God of all hope, this living hope anchored by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You encounter that when you put your trust in Him by saying yes to Jesus by saying yes to Jesus. And the incredible thing is, three reasons to say yes to Jesus. One, only Christ can give real meaning to your life. You were created by Him and for Him and for His glory. And one of the greatest joys is discovering why you've been put on this planet. And it doesn't matter how long you've been here already, you can still connect to that eternal purpose. 
We also need Christ in there every day. There's something about having a relationship. We're not just talking about a Sunday relationship. We're talking about an everyday relationship. One of the old songs says, I walk with him and I talk with him. And he tells me I am his own. That whole thing of just walking with him. And he gives you grace. He gives you wisdom. He gives you strength. He strengthens you through the difficult times. But the most important reason you need to say yes to Jesus because you need him for eternity. The Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for those things done in the body. You don't want to stand there alone. You want Jesus standing next to you and say, Father, this is my son. This is my daughter. They belong to us. This is what I laid my life down for. This is why I rose from the dead for them. And you can experience that. 